All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Ephesians. Now, the last time we were here, we completed chapter five in dealing with the relationship of the husband and the wives. That is, and it's so important for us to remember, Christian wives, Christian husbands, because we need to be careful to understand that this does not apply to just simply marriage in general, that is marriage to the world. The world will live, the world will do as the world does, following the devil, the prince and the power of the air, all of that kind of stuff like that. But Christians, those who have been saved by God's grace, those who are in the economy of God, are ought to do as God himself has instructed. But anyway, so in chapter five, looking back at it as a whole, we saw basically Paul's command, the command of God for the lifestyle of the believer, the new lifestyle of the believer, a life that is to be characterized by righteousness and holiness. Then he began to cue in on how that relationship of a holy life should be directed one towards another. That is within the Christian body how we ought to act one towards another. And that is how Paul began to move in the sense of dealing with relationships. So how Christians ought to act towards one another. Then he moved in the latter parts of chapter five, how in those, that relationship in particular that he began to talk about. Remember when we talked about the definite articles that introduced each class of persons that he talked about. So he talked about the wives. Then he talked about the husbands. So he continued to talk about those relationships as how the wife, the wives ought to be towards their husband in the relationship, how that the wife is to willingly submit herself to the authority of the husband for this is the ordered relationship of the wife to the husband as it is with Christ and the church, or should I say the church and Christ. And he said, as the church is submissive in all things, obedient in all things to our Lord Jesus Christ. So let the wives be subject to their husbands in all things. Then he finished chapter five in dealing with the husband, how the husband ought to love his wife in the same manner that Christ loved the church. And he used that term agapao, the self-sacrificing love. And we talked about all of that, but he continued on that the husband should love his wife, even as he loved his, as he loves his own physical natural body. Why? Because no man ever, a man that didn't have a mental problem ever hated his own natural body, but he loves his body, cherishes his body. He protects this body. So in this way, a man should love his own wife. And then he finished in the sense of saying, but the, the way the marital relationship depicts a great mystery it is the mystery of the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. Okay. Now with all of that, we continue into chapter six. Now what I'm going to do is 
I'm going to finish off the section dealing with relationships because we're going to get to children and slaves. So I'm going to finish off this relationship part and this will be this particular video. And then in the next video, we're going to finish chapter six, which will conclude the epistle to the Ephesians as a whole. Okay. So we're going to break this up into two videos. And in this particular video, we're going to finish, finish. <laughs> we're going to finish this section dealing with Paul's instructions as to the classes. So we've already talked about, uh, at the end of chapter five, wives and, or the wives, remember that definite article introduces the specific group that Paul talks about, the wives and the husbands. So now we're going to continue on with the children, tatekna and the slaves, hoiduoloi. Okay. So that's like, so there are two groups that we're going to deal with. All right. So this should be a short video. So let's start. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So let, let, let's stop there. Let's stop. Actually, the section continues with fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now that's that section. Okay. So now let's just look at it. So now remember, we talked about how that definite article introduces the particular group and you can see it for yourself, even in the English children. So this is directed to Christian children. And even so, even so, you can understand that inference is to Christian parents because what, even though Christian children ought to do these things, that imperative, the command, but also you understand that children are just like it says children. Then the direction is also to Christian parents. That is because you're going to talk about to be brought up in the nurturing and discipline, the admonition of the Lord, Christian teaching. So it infers what the parents should also do, how the parents should also raise their children. But let's just go back to the text, looking at the direct imperative here. When I, whenever you hear me say imperative means the direct commandment. So the direct, the commandment is being directed to the children and it is to what obey their parents in the Lord. Now, okay. There are some, some issues I'm going to probably do another type of teaching to actually to delve deeper into the Greek, but I won't right here. We'll kind of touch it on the surface, but nevertheless, continuing my thought. Children ought to obey their parents in the Lord. Why? Because this is the proper thing to do. This is the right thing to do. So the children ought to obey the parents. But what I want to bring your attention to here is the word obey. And this word in the Greek is upakuete, upakuete, which comes from upakuete, upak. <laughs> I'm sorry, my pronunciation is off this day, but it comes from the word hupakuo, hupakuo, 
but the word here is hupa kuwete. Now, the reason why I bring this word up is because it is different than the word that was used for the wife. Remember when it says for the wife to submit herself to the husband and notice when, when, when the translation is used, the translation is to submit. The wife is to submit. And that's because the word that was used for the wife, hupatasso, means to willingly line up under or willingly subject yourself to the husband. And we brought about all of that nuance in that teaching that we did, the last, it was very, the, the, the last video that we did. So the hupatasso, the willingly subject yourself, okay, willingly line up in the order to do what the husband says to do, all right? But this word here, hupakuete, hupakuo, this word is to obey. So there is a difference. So where with the wife, the hupatasso is demanding that she should do these things of her own will. That's why we translate it to subject, to be subject to or submit yourself. Here, the sense is stronger. That's why we translate hupakuo to obey, who to obey. So this is, so in other words, if I had to simply say it this way, this has nothing to do with whether what God is wanting you to willingly do this or not. So it's not about your will to do this thing. You do it. And that's the end of the discussion. So it is not bringing in the involvement of your will that I'm doing this because the Lord says for me to do this. And I desire to do what the Lord wants me to do. That's that hupatasso verb used for the wife. The word hupakuo used for the children, and you'll see this same word will be used for slaves. It's different. It has more forceful impact. Obey. Obey. That's the word that it uses. And so thus we translate it. Children, what? Obey your parents. And you do this. Nothing to do about your will because it is right in the Lord and it has to, and it brings about. So we have an uh, uh, explanation of this obedience in the sense of what honor your father and mother. And it is the first commandment that has a promise. The promise that this commandment has in the obedience of honoring your father and mother, obeying your father and mother is you live long, but we'll talk about that too, long upon the earth. But the expansion in obedience, a greater explanation is to honor the father and the mother. Now, we understand, and we don't want to go into great depths on this, but honoring the father and mother is not only for the child to be obedient, to do what the parents tell them to do, uh, uh, but it it entails even more because we can go back to the teaching of Jesus himself. When Jesus was talking about certain things that the religious leaders in his time were doing in that uh, 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 Korban, that's the, the teaching of Korban, which literally means, I think it's Aramaic for gift. 
when uh, this was the idea. So let me just simply explain it. If the video takes a little time, that's fine. But I want you to get the full understanding as always. So when the religious leaders, a certain person would come to the religious leaders and make a vow to give certain uh, monetary help to the temple, to the temple, to the which the leaders themselves would of course benefit from, uh, uh, they would make a vow to give certain monetary uh, uh, help to the temple and, and their teachers and things of that nature. But this money should be given for the support of the parents. The parents would be old and things of that nature. So, but instead of uh, the children being uh, 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 commanded to give the parents the needed help that they are commanded to give, the children should give this help, taking care of their parents, the leaders would say, Corban. They would say, okay, fine. If you want to give this as a gift unto the Lord, a gift unto the temple services or whatever, that is a gift to God, then Jesus said, you permit them to not take, you allow them to disobey the commandment of God to honor the parents, honor the parents, take care of the parents, provide for the parents, okay? So you allow them not to do, provide for the parents so that they may give this gift to the temple because you're looking for what it would do, the, the money or whatever gift, how it would benefit you. And so Jesus tore into, if you let me say it that way, he tore into the religious leaders of his day. Okay, so what am I trying to do? I'm trying to help you to understand the word honor. So honor goes beyond just simple obedience, doing what the parents say as you are a child. It goes beyond simply the sense that we might think in our day, yes, sir, no, sir, Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, that's not what just honor means. It also entails provision and support of the parents when the parents get old. Now, we understand our system today, how there are so many things that were not present during the time of Jesus, and I don't want to get into that, but just in saying this, like, Say, for instance, parents working, they get social, they have social security. So you got a social security system and then you have stuff like the IRA and whatever. And these things alleviate, they alleviate or they become an aid to the support of the parent in the old age. So we understand all of this. All I'm trying to say is when you're dealing with the honor, it is more than just the words or the obedience of the child as a small child, but it also entails, it brings into this concept, supporting the parents when they are old, you know, whatever type of support that may mean. Okay. And you kind of have to understand this within the culture and the system of the day, but the concepts remain the same. All right. But anyway, so now let's just continue in what we were saying. So he says that this is what children should do. Christian children are to do what? Obey your parents is right to honor 
your parents, and then, then and we've just talked about all that honoring stuff, and then what? This commandment of obeying, honoring, comes with a promise. It's the first commandment that God says, you do this, and if you do this, this will be a good end result for you. So what's the good end result? That you may live long on the earth. Now, um, that word for live long, uh, macro, macrochronos, chronios, macrochronios. And we can see it brings in the concept of blessedness and time. So when he says that you may live long on the earth, the idea is that you may live a good and a prosperous life, a long life. So not just simply an extension of days, but that the, long, the life that you live may be a good life, a blessed life, a good, blessed, and long life on the earth. So this is a promise for obedience. So this is a beautiful thing just to consider how obedience to your parents not only allow you to live a long time upon the earth, all your days will be completed, but there'll be good days. Okay. And then he continues on in this same sense. And that is with respect to the re relationship with child to parents. Now there's a kind of slight switch from parent to child, notably the father. Why? Because the father is considered to be the primary disciplinarian to the child. Notice what I just said. The father, according to the uh, uh, commandment of God, according to the mindset of God, is the primary disciplinarian for the child. We understand that sometimes there may be no father in the home in order to do so but this is the way of the Lord. In the absence of the father, of course, the mother must assume this role because the father is absent. But dealing with the scriptures, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Now, what does he mean by provoke your children to anger? Does he mean don't tell the children to do stuff to make them angry? <laughs> of course not. Of course not, because the children don't always want to do what the parents say to do. Most times they don't, especially as they move into teenage years. But, but what he means by provoking the children to anger, that means to be unduly harsh to the children, unduly. And so that's why he said that I sense of uh, provoking. In other words, sometimes it's just you. I don't want to say go too far, but that's what's in my mind. You just unduly, that, 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 that's, that's the best word, unduly oppressive, unduly harsh. You, didn't, you don't have to be that hard on the children in order to get the children to do the right thing. So this brings in the sense, sense of abusiveness, you see? So it brings the sense of abusiveness. So he's not removing the idea of strict discipline. God wants strict discipline from the parents to the child, but God does not want an abusive, unduly harsh relationship 
that provokes the children. So instead of the children understanding what you mean, even if they don't like it, even if they don't like it, understanding the children become resistant and rejection, have a rejection for the parent and the rejection of the instruction. Why? Because the parent becomes abusive and really, really harsh to the children. So it says, since the father is the primary disciplinarian, it directs it to the fathers. And what does it say? Don't be like this, but do what? Bring them up according to the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Raise your children according to Christian ethics and Christian morality, that which is taught in the word of God. Okay, so now we move to the next group. And this will be the final, uh, final group here. And it'll, it, uh, it'll be kind of like inclusive because we're going to deal with the, both the slaves and the masters. And the next group that Paul deals with is the slaves. Okay. Verse five, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ not by way of our service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with, with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord for the slave or free. Okay. So now he directs it to the next group, which will be the slave dual our slaves. Now, even though in many instances today, we don't have a lot of slavery, but it does exist. It does still exist. And even as the scripture teaches in the book of revelations, slavery will begin to return to, uh, uh, to this world in mass. And we see this stuff beginning to happen now. It's really increasing today. Slavery, even though we like to think that uh, uh, not only in the United States, but across Western countries of Europe and things of that nature and all around the world, slavery is uh, uh, on the, uh, has been virtually diminished, uh, de no longer exists. But we understand that's not really the case. Slavery is alive and well in the world today. So this verse of scripture is pertinent today, but also, also, and this is the point that I want you to understand. It employ, it, it, uh, it applies to people who have jobs. That is, we would simply call it today employees. So the practical sense of this teaching not only applies to people who are literally slaves, but if you are on the job, it applies to you in the practical sense. And, and I should even dare say, how much more does it apply to you? Because you are on the job by choice by choice. So this person is over you, your master by your own choice. You chose 
to take this job. So therefore, the practical sense of this teaching applies to you even more because you are of a choice, obligated, obligated to this person or this organization because you willingly took the job when a slave may not have a choice in the matter. Okay. Now with that, now let's get into the text itself. So slaves be that next group that he talks about. Hoy, I'm sorry. Yes. Hoy, do slaves be obedient. And he uses the same word that he used. That is for obedient as he used for children to parents. Hupakuete, hupakuete, be obedient has nothing to do with like Hupatasso. Remember the wife willingly being subject, submit, lining up. In other words, God ain't asking you. He is, he, and he didn't asking the wife. He was commanding the wife too. But the point is to willingly line up, you know, that submit of your own will and things of that nature and do be obedient, be submissive. No, same force of the verb is used for children. You do what your master says. That's it. That's the force of the verb. So therefore we translate it obedient or for the children. Same idea. Obey. Obey those, your masters, according to the flesh. According to the flesh simply means human beings. Obey your human masters. And then how does God command the slaves to be an even Remember the practical sense as all the while that I'm teaching this, remember, say for instance, if you are on a job, how should you be towards your supervisor? How should you be towards your employer? This is the same principle that God is giving for you. Same thing. Okay. So all of this, you, if you're on the job, take it just like that same way. But what does he say? How should you obey fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart? That is the fear and trembling brings about the sense of respect, deep respect and, and notice. And, and I don't want to get into the preaching. I don't want to get into the preaching, but I can just hear and I can just see some of you guys as you have uh, you don't like your supervisor. You don't like your boss. You don't like your employee. And God didn't ask you if you like them. He didn't say, now, if you like them, he didn't say, now, if they're really treating you good and if they're being good to you, giving you a raise and uh, God did not, he didn't bring those qualifications into the text. He didn't ask you. And that's when we get into first Peter. I believe it's first Peter, either chapter two, first PS it is first Peter chapter two. When Peter talks about the relationship of slaves to masters, even if the master is not gentle, not kind, he ain't treating you right. Okay. Same thing, but let's get back to the text because and the reason why I get emotional about certain things like this, we always try to find an excuse. That's what we do. God would tell us what he wants us to do. 
the command of God. And I don't care whether you like it or not, but what we like to do is, well, what about this? What about that? And what if this person is not like this? What if, and so we look for a reason not to do what God has commanded. Get over that. You need to get over that and just simply say, Lord, you know, I'm a sinner. You know, I'm stubborn and you know, I am full of pride that goes for everybody. Everybody help me, Lord, do what you say, have a mind to do what you say. Give me an humble heart and a willing spirit. I don't care how I feel. Why? Cause you never asked me how I felt. You just simply told me what you want me to do. And if I don't like it, I better be careful because I'll answer to Jesus in the judgment and that won't be good for me. So, but anyway, let's go back to the text. All right. I'm trying, I'm trying not to preach. Just let me just teach it through. So with fear and trembling, that is having grave respect, respect your master, respect your boss with sincerity, not some fake it, but honestly respect them and let, and don't worry about it. God is going to deal with them. However they act with you, God will deal with them, whether in the now, but most certainly it's a guarantee when they stand in the judgment. And remember when God deals with you, that is Jesus in the judgment the, uh, the consequences will be eternal. There will be everlasting effects for the consequences. So don't worry about it. You do what God says, what fear and trembling sincerity of your heart. Be real with the respect that you give to your master, to your boss. Notice what notice, notice the comparison as to Christ. Now you can imagine if Jesus says for us to do something, we're going to be sincere in our obedience. We will do it with deep respect. We'll do it with deep respect. When Jesus tells us to, what to do, notice God says, and when your boss, when your master tells you to do something, you do it towards them in the same way, if, if Jesus told you what to do, you have that same mind, same respect, same attitude as if Jesus said to do it. Now that is powerful. But anyway, he continues on not by way of eye service. That is not simply when they're watching you, not simply because you know, they're looking at you or the cameras are on you. No, but what? And not even as what? Men pleasers, men pleasers. I'm doing it. You know, you, you're seeking the favor of men and you're doing it as if it is toward simply men. But no, whatever you're doing towards your master or even your boss, you do it as slaves of Christ. Because number one, you are a slave of Christ and you do it obedience to your master, to your boss, your supervisor. You do it as even if you're doing it unto Jesus, you got it. So the idea is your service is to men 
whether they are slaves or your boss, your service to men is to be viewed as service uh, from Christ. It's almost like putting in, in their place, Jesus and Jesus is the one telling you what to do. And, and you are rendering service to Jesus himself. But it's the spirit of that service, the mind of that service. How should you and how would you deeply respect Jesus when he's telling you what to do? You thus do these things to your slave masters, to your boss, to your supervisor. Then he continues on. And, and that's what I was saying. Verse seven, that the, with the good will rendering service as to the Lord and not to men. And that's what I was just saying. You're doing it even as unto Jesus. And that's how we must, we are commanded to render services to our master. If we are a slave or our, if we are an employee working on a job and somebody's over us or under a company to them, that's the bottom line. And then he says this knowing in verse number eight, this is a guarantee. In other words, and thus in serving these human masters like this, you can be assured of what can you be assured of that? Whatever you are doing for your master, for your boss, for your supervisor in your obedience to such one that Jesus is taking note of it. This he will receive back from the Lord. And remember the Lord is the title for Jesus, whether slave or free. That is Jesus is taking note of all that you are doing for your human masters. He's looking at the respect. He's looking at eye pleasing service. You're doing it when they're watching you or you're just doing it for trying to gain favor, gain the system or get something from them. Or are you doing it with the reverence as if from Jesus himself, he's sitting there taking notes. And as you are obeying these men, he's saying, when you stand in the judgment before Jesus, he says, now I'm going to reward you for that. Isn't that a beautiful thing? The Lord is taking note of your service and he is preparing a reward for you. And remember what I told you earlier, when a person stands in the judgment, whatever happens, the consequences of that judgment, those rewards are eternal. Thus for a temporal service. And when I say temporal, that means what guys temporary, something that you did in this life, you didn't serve that master forever. It's only going to be for a time period. You didn't work on that job forever. It's only going to be for a time period, but for this temporal service, the benefits will be eternal. Okay. Let's go back to our text. All right. Now, and then he says at the very end, well, the slaves or free. In other words, God does not, it doesn't matter to God, whether the person's a free man or a slave. So now the final section or the last group in this video that we that Paul is talking about, he's dealing with, uh, the masters, the masters. Okay. But now before we move into that, let me finish this. Notice the length of text. The, the length of the text when he dealt with the slaves verses five through eight.
that was pretty long. That was pretty significant. Compare that to the children uh, of verses one through really verse number three, verses one through three, children obey. Now, verses five through eight, some more text. And, and you can see the assumption in God. Well, I use assumption, but the knowing, the knowing in the mind of God. Slaves wouldn't want to naturally be like that, even though they are Christian slaves. They don't want to be like that as God has commanded toward the master. So he does what he gives more text, more information to teach what he really wants. You may not think it, but this is really what God wants them to be slaves. Or we understand today, uh, if you're not a slave, but you're working for somebody an employee, this is what he really wants. All right. But anyway, let's finish the final point. The next group is the masters and masters nine do the same to them and give up threatening knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Okay. So the final group that he looks at is the masters. I'm going back to my text. Hoy kurioi, the masters. Okay. Do the same things to them. And, and that is that relationship that you need to have towards your slaves in, in the sense of being amicable, kind, and respectful. Notice what I said, being amicable, considerate, and kind, and respectful. So notice how that whole issue is changed up in what the natural man, the people in the world, how they would handle their slaves and how Christians should handle their slaves. You got it? The Christians should handle their slaves. And, and what really helps you out even to develop this even in a greater sense is Paul's letter to Philemon. And I did that in a video. I'll, 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 I'll make a, a notation of this. Uh, uh, where I talked about Philemon. Okay, I have notation to that video. But in that letter, and what Paul himself says to Philemon, because it's directed to Philemon, who is the master of a runaway slave, Onesimus. Okay? And, and I'm not going to rehash all of it, but in a nutshell, Onesimus, well, he was not saved. He ran away from his Christian master, Philemon. When Onesimus ran away, he ran into Paul while he was away. And running into Paul, he converted. Onesimus converted to Christianity, and he became a believer. So Paul wanted to use Onesimus to help, for Onesimus to help serve him, to minister to Paul while Paul was in prison, his first Roman imprisonment while Paul was in prison, but Paul knew that it was not right for Onesimus to be a slave to Philemon and Paul to just simply use him, use Onesimus. So Paul sent Onesimus back to his master, the Christian Onesimus, back to his Christian master with a letter in his hand, the letter to Philemon. And in this letter, 
Paul was simply asking, he was requesting of Philemon the services of Onesimus, the slave. Will you send him back to me to serve me? But not only that, Paul was also telling him that Onesimus returns to you not just a slave any longer, that status relationship, but he returns to you as a Christian brother, a Christian brother, much more than a slave. So therefore you treat him. Don't treat him simply as a slave who must obey you. That relationship still continues. That what relationship still continues? What did Paul just say? Slaves, obey your master. That relationship must continue. But you, Onesimus, you slave master, you treat him as a Christian brother. Look at him like that. Treat him like that. Amicably, kindly, like a brother, not in a derogative fashion as the world would treat him like a slave, treat him harshly, treat him cruel, do what I do what I say, beat him, strike him. Would you beat and strike a Christian brother? Would you would you talk to a Christian brother in a nasty, a harsh way and don't care about his feelings? No. We know as Christians, you don't do that with one another. And this is that relationship that God is saying how Christian slave owners ought to treat their slaves, especially Christian slaves. You see that? So it's no longer this sense if you are a Christian master and now in the same sense that you guys heard me talk about uh, Christian slaves and how it, uh, the practical sense applies to people who work for other people today, employees. So if you're not a Christian, you don't own a slave. The practical sense of this is to employees, Christian and people who are Christian and employ other people or people who are Christian supervisors, your Christian bosses. So if you are a supervisor, a boss, employer, whatever, and you say that you are Christian, this is what God is commanding you to do. Treat your employees kindly, amicably, as you would Christian brothers or sisters. And I know that they work for you, but would you, if, if you were your Christian or brother or sister in a church, if you're in the church, would you deal with them like that? Would you speak to your Christian brother or sister in church like that? then don't you speak to those who work for you like that. Don't you treat those who work for you like that. Same thing. So therefore, even if you are a slave, the relationship will still be fine. Why? Because you are a Christian and you are not going to mistreat whether a slave or an employee. You ain't going to mistreat them. You're going to do it like God says to do it. Notice, do the same things to them, but what give up threatening. And I just went through that whole scenario with the giving up threatening. You're not going to talk to them certain ways. You're not going to speak down to them, speak down to them derogatively to them, cuss them out and all that kind of stuff like that. Give up threatening. Why, why, why master 
Will you do this? Employee, employer, supervisor. I'm sorry, employer, supervisor. Why? Because you got a master, they got a master, and it's the same master. And that master is Jesus. Jesus, both of y'all. So if you are a master, you are a boss, you're in charge or whatever, it's somebody who's in charge of you. And you know who it is. It's Jesus. I like to think of it this way. And he's all of our bosses. Jesus is the big boss that everybody, whether you are a slave or you employee, whatever, or whether you are a boss or a slave master, he's the boss of all. Both their master and yours is in heaven. I like that too. Notice how that contrasts with, because we are what? masters, slave masters or employee, employers, we are on the earth and the flesh. Jesus ain't, and I love to say ain't, that's what I'm really preaching. <laughs> Jesus ain't on earth. He's above all. But anyway, y'all get the picture. And what, speaking to the slave master, there's no partiality with him. In other words, so here's the scene that Paul is setting. When the slave, in the judgment, in the judgment, when the slave stands before Jesus and the slave owner, the master stands before Jesus, he doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care if you're the slave and he doesn't care if you are the master. When he deals with you, he'll deal with both of you in the same manner, that is, According to his written word, he will not look at the slave master and say, oh, or, or the employee, the supervisor or whatever you thought you were on the earth. He won't look at you and say, oh, 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 oh you were a big timer on the earth. You were running things on the earth. So let me kind of be real special with you now. Jesus says, and this is what I like to say. Jesus will say, I don't give a rest real who you were. And I don't give a rest real who you thought you were. I'm going to handle you like I'm going to handle the slave. No, and that's when we get the sense of there is no partiality with God. Okay, that video went a little longer than I had anticipated. But again, you know, guys, I always want to make sure you got a good understanding of the text. But anyway, so now we have completed this section of how Paul was dealing with the sense of the particular groups classes that we say the wives how and remember the Christian wife what should she do willingly submit herself to the order of God and what is the order of God to do as your husband says for you to do like in the same way in the same way that the church does what Jesus says for it for her to do okay Wise. And then next husbands. Now you love your wife to what extent like Christ loved the church to the point that he gave his life up for his wife. Husband, you love your wives that way. Okay. And remember that the wife should be cared for as if she were your own physical body. Now, children, Obey your parents. This is right in the sight of the Lord. Plus, 
it comes with an additional promise of living a long, blessed life. Slaves, now you obey your masters and no hypocritical obedience. Don't obey them only when they're looking, but you obey them in the same way as you would obey Jesus. Reverent, respectfully, even when they're, they are not watching and the cameras ain't on you, doing service to folk, your supervisor, your slave master, whoever that person may be, from your heart as if you were doing it unto Jesus, knowing, knowing Jesus is watching, taking notes of this, so that when you stand in the judgment, he's gonna reward you for that behavior towards your master, towards your boss, or your supervisor, all right? And then he says finally to the slave master, or even supervising your boss. He says, now you treat him kindly. You treat him with respect, cause this is no longer just a slave. This is no longer for working for you, but these are Christian brothers and sisters. And even if they ain't Christian brothers and sisters, have this towards all people, kindly, respectful, and remember, you ain't the only boss. There's another boss in heaven that you got to answer to in the day of judgment. And he doesn't care who you thought you were, okay? So he finishes that section. All right, enough of all of that. Thank you guys for joining me with that as we prepare to draw to an end, a conclusion, uh, the epistle of, that Paul wrote to the Ephesians in our next video, in our final words, when Paul encourages all Christians be strong in the Lord. Okay, if this teaching has been a blessing to you, I'm asking you to support the ministry. You guys know about all of this stuff. YouTube has this thanks button that you can give. And also, I supplied a link in the description that you can use. If the Lord touches your heart and you want to support the ministry for continued teaching, come alongside of me and do so. But nevertheless, oh, and the YouTube stuff with the like and subscribe, remember all of that stuff too. But guys, thanks for joining me with all of that. I, I made this video right after Thanksgiving, so I hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. And we'll see you next time for our final video.